Welcome to Brighton Adventure Story Podcast. Chapter 26. High Water. It did not take long for James and Jenny to get the hang of steering the huge fish. James held Hegel's pike, keeping the hat and torch dangling in front of the greedy fish. As long as he kept it high enough, the fish stayed high enough out of the water for a comfortable ride. Jenny, wearing the rat-knitted hydrophobic gloves, could steer by pulling on the long, slippery barbels. Every now and again, Henry's tail would come up to the surface, and an extra strong wind would help them along. Soon they were going swimmingly, past the park, under the viaduct, and toward the centre of town. The flooding was terrible. Jenny could see into the bedrooms through upper-floor windows as they cruised past, and the rain was still falling hard. They floated through Preston Circus, in water that completely covered up the big doors of the fire station. There was no way the fire engines would be able to leave the building. Hopefully any fires would be doused by the flooding. Hey, James said, that's Annabel. Sure enough, on the road down from Seven Dials, not in the really deep water, but still resoundingly stuck, was Annabel. She was sitting in the car with the windscreen wipers going. Jenny wanted to wave but her hands were full of carp bubble. As they passed, she glimpsed something out of the corner of her eye. Oh no, she said. The long man. He's behind us. About fifty feet back was the unmistakable hat of the long man, trailing after them through the water. His fishing line hadn't missed them. It was caught somewhere on Henry's tail. James looked round to see, and Henry suddenly lurched downward. James adjusted the woolly hat and torch angle to bring them back up. Right! Go right! he shouted. Jenny looked forward and pulled the right barbel hard at the same time. They narrowly avoided a collision with a telegraph pole. They continued along London Road, which would take them straight to the Old Steen. When they reached the wide expanse on the other side of St Peter's Church, Jenny risked another look behind. The long man was still there, steely-eyed, holding on to the fishing rod. They'd have to solve the problem of the long man after they got to the fountain. There it is, James called out. Henry swam through the flooded pavilion gardens. All you could see of the pavilion itself were the domes and spires sticking up like strange icebergs. They went over the top of the submerged war memorial and out into a huge lake. It was at least a hundred metres across and covered the whole of the old steen. Right in the middle of the lake, the very top squiducken of the fountain was still sticking out of the water, like a strange dolphin frozen mid-leap. How do we unplug it? James asked, and what will happen if we do? Let's kill two birds with one stone, Jenny said. We need to get rid of our uninvited passenger. Hold steady. James kept the woolly hat in front of the fish. Jenny took them just left of the fountain, and then, when Henry's head was past it, she pulled hard to the right and steered them in a tight circle. After 180 degrees, they were pointed back at the long man. Then they crossed in front of him before completing the loop. Jenny steered them straight again. It had worked. The long man's fishing rod had caught on the top of the fountain. He gave Jenny an evil look of triumph and started to turn the reel. Jenny could see it was moving, and even if she couldn't feel it, she knew they were slowly moving backward toward the fountain. "'We've stopped,' James said. "'It's the fishing line,' Jenny said. "'It's caught on the fountain. 
The long man's reeling us in. We need Henry to pull harder. Let's hope he can pull the plug in time. Is the corn on the cob still on the long man's hook? James asked. It might encourage Henry if we had some actual food for him. It was a good idea. Jenny held both barbels in one hand and stretched her other hand back under the water and down Henry's tail. She could feel the girdle picks. The long man's hook had caught in the buckle. The corn was wedged behind the girdle picks. She pulled it out and handed it to James. He carefully let go of the suction hook between his legs and leaned forward and stuck the corn on the end of the pike. Then he moved it as close to the fish's mouth as he dared. Henry reacted immediately to the familiar treat, thrashing his tail and driving hard through the water to get to the corn. The fish lurched forward and the fountain moved with it. The long man was still winding the reel with one hand. In the other hand he had a vicious-looking knife. He watched them with murderous eyes. Come on, Henry, Jenny said. Swim harder. She felt Henry jerk forward again. But this time the fountain didn't move with them. At first Jenny thought that the fish might be hurt. Then she realised what it was. The strap's breaking, she said. She made a grab for it under the water and caught hold of the girdle picks in her gloved hand. Then the buckle of the strap gave way completely and Jenny was left holding the leather case desperately as the buckle attached to it was pulled hard by the line. She was stretched and twisted by the tension. Her left hand grasped both of Henry's barbels, her right hand held fast to the girdle picks. It's mine now, little girl, the long man shouted, winding harder and pointing at her with the knife. You should have helped me when you had the chance. I'm going to use this stone to wipe Brighton off the map. It'll be blown all the way to France when I'm done. She could feel her grip on the girdle picks weakening. There was no way she was strong enough to hold the full force of Henry. She wished she was still as strong as she had been before Christmas, when she'd taken the priestess's medicine to heal her ankle. That was it. She swung her left foot up and rested it on James's leg. Hit my ankle with the pike, she shouted. What? he said. I'm kind of busy here. Hit it, she shouted, right where the ligament was torn. What about Henry? Just do it. James pulled the pike away from Henry's head and jabbed the butt of it into her ankle. The fish's head twitched wildly, searching around for the missing corn. Jenny lost her grip on the girdle picks and it slipped from her hand. With a wild swipe, she just managed to catch hold of the end of the broken leather strap. Harder, she shouted back at James. Hit it harder. James looked at the pike and then at her ankle. Don't think. Hit it like a cricket ball. He raised the pike and swung it hard at her ankle, like a woodsman chopping a log. It slammed into her skin with a crack. Jenny's vision went white as the pain registered. And then the pain was gone, fixed by whatever the priestess had concocted. If the ankle felt fine, the rest of her felt amazing. Whatever was inside her that was fixing her ankle was giving every other part of her a mega-boost. She hauled at the girdle pick strap with her right hand while holding tight to Henry's barbels with her left. The huge fish writhed and struggled against her, its head rising up and out of the water. For a moment she was suspended above the flood lake, dangling between the fish and the fountain, like a doll hung out to dry on a washing line. The long man could do nothing but watch in awe, knife hanging by his side, grey eyes wide, watching as Jenny squeezed every muscle in her body and slowly pulled the girdle picks back toward the giant fish. There was an almighty pop as the fountain sprang upwards and onto its side. 
the long man was thrown into the water. For a split second there was slack in the fishing line. Jenny twisted the girdle picks free from the long man's hook. Where the fountain had been was suddenly a huge swirling vortex of water, a terrible maelstrom in the middle of the new lake. Like a giant emptying bathtub, the flood was being drained down into the bed of the old river. The long man had no time to react, and managed two ineffective strokes of front crawl before being sucked down into the hole. Henry was a vastly superior swimmer to the long man, but even he couldn't fight the maelstrom's current. Let him dive, Jenny said, pulling herself back around into a seated position behind James, still clutching the girdle picks in her right hand. We'll be sucked under if we stay on the surface. Trust him to get us out of here. James took a deep breath, and Jenny did the same. Then he pulled the pike away from Henry's head. Immediately the greedy fish looked about for the corn and was swept toward the maelstrom, before diving down and circling round with the current for a moment. Jenny could see the great dark hole that would suck them in and take them out to the sea. Then the fish gave a huge flick of its tail and powered them away from the fountain. The water resistance hit James first and he was forced back into Jenny. Her grip stayed true on the barbels and she held both children on the back of the fish while it swam through the currents. James managed to gather himself and just when Jenny thought she would have to let go of the fish and swim to the surface, he pushed the corn on the cob back into Henry's line of vision and the fish swam upwards. They were past the war memorial when they breached the surface. Jenny took a deep breath and shook the water from her eyes. The water level was definitely lower now but unlike the journey to the fountain, they were now against the current all the way back to the rockery. A huge gust of wind blasted them from behind. Jenny was still holding the girdle picks, and now it was completely out of the water. The wind built up into a gale blowing them along. But even the added wind was not going to be enough to get them back to the pond at the rockery in time. When they were past St Peter's, you could see the tops of the doors to the shops. Halfway down London Road, the roofs of parked cars started to appear. We're not going to make it, Jenny shouted over the howling wind. We need to get Henry into deeper water. There's nothing round here, James said, except your car. Annabelle's up at Preston Circus. By the middle of Preston Circus, Henry could go no further. He flapped and splashed in the waist-deep water. James kept the girdle picks submerged and gave the fish the corn on the cob to keep it happy. Jenny waded as fast as she could to Annabelle. Oh no, what have you two done? Annabelle said, rolling her window down. And what is that thing? It's Henry. He's a carp, Jenny said, and we need to give him a lift. No, no way, Annabelle shook her head. There is no way that giant fish will fit in this car. Not in it, on it. The water was dropping fast. Annabelle started the engine and drove slowly towards James and the fish. Henry was floundering in the shallow water, but with less energy now. Annabel pulled the car up beside them. It's longer than the car, she said. How are you going to get it on the roof? Leave that to me, Jenny said. She moved round to the other side of the huge carp, and using the still dry gloves and her extra strength, and with help from James, she heaved the fish on top of the car. The roof creaked and sagged under the enormous weight. Henry lay there on his side his head resting on the bonnet and his tail still splashing feebly in the floodwater. Unbelievable, Annabel said. I don't think your boyfriend will be able to fix the new dents you've made this time. We'll worry about that later, Jenny said. 
and he's not my boyfriend. James scooped up a rucksack full of rainwater and submerged the girdle picks in it. Rather than burden the car with extra weight, James and Jenny ran along next to it as Annabelle drove. It took ten long minutes to reach the rockery. In that time, Henry's tail had stopped flapping and just dragged limply through the receding puddles. Only one car passed them on the journey. It didn't seem to notice the giant fish on their roof. Perhaps they thought it was a parade or some kind of protest against fishy rites. Halfway there, they met Zen and Bobby coming the other way. The two rats were floating along in the last dregs of the floodwater on a makeshift raft, the upturned lid of a big wheelie bin. Zen was using his pike to push them along, while Bobby paddled with his stringless ukulele. Are you lot taking that thing for a walk? Zen asked, pointing up at Henry. Because I don't think it's enjoying the fresh air. We came to help, Bobby said. You were right about the blockage under the meeting house. Big new wall's been built. We'll take ages to knock it down. Their rafts scraped to a stop and the rats hopped off. That must have been why the long man wanted the rats to stay in Ratterston, James said. To keep them away from his construction project. Aye, Zen agreed. Now, if you don't need us, we've heard that a big load of pet food's been washed up at the level. The two rats abandoned their raft in the middle of the road and scurried away. Annabelle managed to bump the car onto the pavement and stop right next to the low fence by the pond. Low-speed driving was definitely her forte. Jenny and James, as gently as they could, eased the limp Henry off the car and into the pond. He slid smoothly down the wet metal of the car and plunged into the pond with a splash. For a moment he floated, still and lifeless. Then his tail twitched and the carp kicked hard, down into the depths of the pond. James and Jenny watched the ripples in the water subside. No-tail hopped onto the fence next to them, and there was a grunt from behind as Hegel shuffled up to stand with them. James gave him the pike back. We did it, Jenny said. No more skady, no more long man. And no more rain, James said. It stopped. I think it might be time for tea, Hegel said. It'll be nice and dry in my chambers. And I've still got one teapot that works. I could do with a new tea cosy, though. This might do when it's dry. He pulled the red woolly hat from the end of the pike and wrung it out. Hey, James said, that's not a cosy. That's my hat. Hi, gang. This is Tom, the writer, reader, or outerer of the Brighton Adventure Story podcast. I hope that you enjoyed this latest adventure installment. It was certainly fun writing it during lockdown. If you want to listen to some more of the Green Hands Gang adventures, then head to my website, brightonadventure.com, and scroll down to the bottom to find a link to the Bedtime Story Adventure podcast website. More importantly, if you have any questions or comments about this podcast, then please drop me a message to tom at brightonadventure.com. If you missed the chance to have your name in the story, then make sure you're listening again at Christmas. There'll be a brand new Green Hands Gang adventure starting right at the beginning of December. I will hopefully get round to turning this story into an actual book in the next few weeks, so keep an eye out for it. And if you do go down to the rockery by Preston Park, keep an eye out for a particularly big fish in the water. But please don't try and feed it a corn on the cob. <laughs>